Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays had a late game in Oakland Wednesday night. Nathan Ovaldi was to make his first start. The Rays had won four in a row heading into last night's game, and they were one game over 500 for the first time since opening day. We had a chance to catch up with Mark Tompkin, who covers the Rays, for the Tampa Bay Times, and he's going to tell you how the Rays are doing and what maybe lies ahead. That interview in just a minute. You won't want to miss Mark Tompkin. Also, Major League Baseball All-Star voting starts Friday at noon. Who should represent the Rays? And you'll get our takes on the unbelievable news about Brian Clangelo's burner account on Twitter. What a story in the ringer about the 76ers president of basketball operations using these accounts to criticize players, opposing coaches, and even give some insider information, some unbelievable stuff in the account by the ringer all that and more in this edition of sports day tampa bay i'm rick stroud with the tampa bay times along with producer steve verstick before we get started on the podcast i want to tell you about a special offer from audible.com sign up now and get a free 30-day trial that's a 15 dollars value and as a listener to this podcast you'll get a free audiobook just go to audibletrial.com slash sports day that's spelled a-u-d-i-b-l-e trial.com slash sports day for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Mark Tompkin is in Oakland where the Rays uh, continue their winning streak. That's, I think, four in a row now, Mark. And uh, I'll tell you what, this baseball team is suddenly one of the more interesting ones in the majors. I'm really enjoying watching these guys play. Tell me how they're doing it. Yeah, it's been interesting, Rick, and, and that's a really good word for them. I mean, they may not be the best team, but I think they would they would win a vote of most interesting between the uh, radical pitching plans. Uh, first, just you know, going with four starters, three starters, two starters. Then it was kind of hold my beer. Now we're going to do uh, a reliever to start the game and a starter to pitch in the middle of the game. And the same guy who started the other day closed last night, Sergio Romo. And, uh, and we asked Kevin Cash if he was going to find a way to have Romo both start and close a game, and he said probably not that yet, but uh, – probably do it on consecutive nights maybe when they get brendan mckay they can just start doing that but but anyway answering your question i mean it's just been a a combination of things i mean it's a bunch of scrappy guys it's, it's not a lot of big names it is this kind of crazy pitching plan that that i think in totality probably has worked if you, if you really want to be fair about it and uh it's getting some big hits uh on days when they look really bad it's overcoming mistakes like they did last night and and uh three errors two base running mistakes but they hit you know back to back to back homers i mean who knew it uh, it's just been really kind of a, a team effort. It's a bland answer, but it, it's just been a combination of all these different things. And, you know, I yeah. think it's just guys, too, that are kind of playing for something, whether it's their own status, it's their playing time, it's their future contracts, whatever. But I think you got a lot of guys playing for something. Yeah, for sure. And the constant has, has sort of been that with the approach has changed from, you know, I think they had about the same record a year ago when they were trying to do it with home runs. But this is a more kind of, I don't know, more of a raiseway type baseball, I guess, with pitching and defense when they get it. And then, um, you know, really one through nine, Mark, these guys are all pretty tough outs. Yeah, that's, you know, again, and it's a small sample. It's only two months in. They had a terrible start, so they're just kind of, you know, scratching their way back really to ground zero. But 
Yeah, this is what they talked about during the winter of, of switching this approach, having more of a, a contacted, a contact-oriented approach. I think you used the phrase, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts the other day, and you know, yeah. kind of that kind of offense where, you know, it's it's a couple singles. I mean, they're not going to get five and six hits an inning. That's rare. They've done it a few times this year, but you know, somebody who gets on, somebody who gets moved up. I mean, Kevin Cash, as sacrilegious as it is, has actually used the bunt a couple times, and <laughs> you know, just finding different ways and putting guys in motion. Last night he tried to hit and run with Robertson. It didn't work. He got a terrible pitch, and then he comes back and hits the home run on the next pitch. I mean, sometimes it's, it's luck, but. It's also, I think, just a matter of being open to trying different things, and we saw that from the pitching standpoint. Offensively, you know, it's almost going with what works each night. I mean, to put it, you know, in football parlance, I mean, whatever's going to work that day, your running game might not work, go to the passing game, vice versa. So they're trying to kind of figure it out as they go. Yeah, they've 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 been resilient uh, in that in that sense. I, I think the constant, as far as their pitching staff, of course, has only been the two starters, which is Chris Archer and Blake Snell. Um, Archer seems to have settled down over the last few starts, but what are we seeing from Snell? I mean, I, I know he wasn't real efficient necessarily. They didn't want to maybe push him into the hundreds because he's had some high pitch counts, but it looked like um, this guy has really uh, dialed it up a notch, hasn't he? I think so, and and you know, I, I know we, we talked early in the season, uh, and I told you I wasn't sure if I was buying it or not. I mean, he talked a good game this spring, but he did that last spring and didn't pitch very well. Got sent down, you know, once came back up, wasn't very good. Was actually sent down again, and then kind of got a a rescue when Alex Cobb ended up on the DL. But you know, he's he's really kind of matured. I think you've seen him understand, you know, the the consequence of you know just taking off a couple pitches, of losing focus, of losing command, just for you know one batter or two batters, and how at this level that can that can ruin a good outing. And, you hear Archer say that a lot, and I know a lot of people shrug it off and roll their eyes, but it's true. You can throw 100 pitches, and 95 of them can be really good in what you want, but those four or five you mess up, that can ruin the whole night for you. And even though you know that would be an A on a test, it's an F when you lose a game because of it. And I think Snell's kind of come to appreciate that. And you know the four-pitch mix is impressive. Last night the changeup was what was working best for him, and he decided to rely heavy on that. Other nights we've seen it be the fastball. Obviously that big curveball can do it some days. So He's got so many tools, and I think you're seeing him kind of put them together and you know, kind of apply them and, and learn as he goes, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it totally does. And, you know, I, I, this is just me from, from a distance, so I wanted to ask you about, uh, with respect to Archer, having Snell pitch as well as he is and, and you know, uh, how sometimes we've seen in the past when, when the Rays had a lot of good starting pitchers, that staff would feed off each other. Do you think you think in some way that Archer is is I don't know if reinvigorated is the right word, but feels maybe less pressure and just wants to go out there and compete every night as opposed to feeling like he has to be the guy that stops every losing streak? I'm glad you didn't say jealous because somebody asked that question the other day. Well, I was going to use the J word, but yeah, I didn't didn't want to go there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know, I think that's a little off base, but I you know, I I would say that your your point is probably valid. I mean, Longoria used to talk about that at times. That you know, it's tough when you're always considered the guy, and you know, but I also yeah. know that Chris Archer likes being the guy. So I'm not I'm not sure I totally you know buy that. You know, he wakes up thinking, all right, now that you know Snell's pitching good, I can just go out there and relax. But Maybe you know there is that internal competition. You do hear about that on good pitching staffs. I mean, we used to hear about that yeah. on those Braves teams way back in the day. Those guys competed. You know, the five starters on the golf course. They competed at the card table. They competed on the mound. Right. Yeah, I do think there's a little bit of that. And in Archer's case, you know, Cash made a, an interesting comment the other day that you know he thought Archer maybe through that rougher stretch was pitching more to conserve himself to be available to stay in games later. 
not going all out from the start, which, you know, maybe Archer saw as a magnanimous approach and doing what was best for the team. And Cash said they kind of explained to him, no, you do best for the team as you go out there and pitch really well. We'll, you know, we'll figure out the rest of it and, you know, go from there. So he's come out of a couple of games a little earlier than you might have thought, but I think that's part of their, you know, kind of body maintenance program to use a hockey phrase. And, and I do think he has pitched better and dialed it up for whatever reason or for several reasons. As we talk to you now, uh, it's before Nathan Ivaldi comes back and makes his first start. Uh, Mark, just w- what are they expecting from this guy short-term or hopefully long-term? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they're going to be cautious, Rick, in how they handle him. I mean, Cash already kind of alluded to that, that, that he probably should have had one more minor league start and built up a little further. They're kind of going in tonight like a five-inning, 90-pitch uh, kind of limit, which is, is probably realistic for a guy in his situation. And, you know, just the short version to catch your listeners up, you know, worked all last year to come back from his second Tommy John, was pretty much ready at the end of the year, wasn't built up to start, could have pitched in relief, had the race stayed in the race, didn't do it didn't make it back then, was ready to open the season as the number three starter in the rotation. And day before the season ends up uh, at Dr. Coco Eaton's office in St. Pete because he had some chips in his elbow, cartilage chips they had to take out. So that set him back. You know, that was March 30th, the surgery. So that set him back a good six weeks. And he's just about ready to finish his rehab. And he felt a little twinge in his side. So that cost him three or four days. So they had to push everything back a week. So finally tonight, you know, for the first time since August of 2016, he gets on the mound and he throws really hard. He doesn't necessarily stay in games really long, so that four or five inning, you know, thing might not be a bad idea for him. But he was hitting a hundred in Port Charlotte the other day in his last rehab assignment. So I think you're going to see a lot of that and a lot of adrenaline and a guy who can strike a lot of batters out when he's on. And if they can make him uh, become sort of uh, that third starter, that would take some of the pressure off this whole bullpen's madness, right? Yeah, and I think that's, you know, in theory, uh, Jake Faria getting hurt, you know, last week or 10 days ago, whenever that was, really added to, you know, their woes. They thought they were actually yeah. stabilizing where they were going to have four starters and kind of go back to the original plan. You know, when Cash mm-hmm. filled the beans in spring training, it was four starters and fill in when you had a fifth game. It wasn't unreasonable. It's right. just the injuries and things that have happened since have really forced them down. And you know, Yanni Chirinos is on his way back, too. He made his second rehab start last night, so. You know, they have the potential to get back to four starters. Yarborough has obviously pitched well in the opportunities they've given him. I think he'll pitch behind Stanek tomorrow. You'll see Stanek as the game opener tomorrow. But at some point, they may go with four real starters and just do this uh, kind of gimmicky thing one day a week. Mark, they let Alice Colomay as was part of a trade along with Denard Span to Seattle where they go next. Um, Colomay's not closing necessarily or going to be the full-time closer, at least in Seattle. But... What will the Rays do from here on out? I mean, are they hoping that somebody settles into that role? I know they're going to mix and match in the in the short term, right? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, you saw Romo do it last night. I think that opportunity will be there for him. He's the only guy that's really been there and done it. Uh, Chaz Rowe, you know, he had one opportunity in Detroit, and he really kind of you saw him sweat out there, to put it politely. Uh, Jose Alvarado, the lefty, young lefty, hard-throwing guy, is probably the future closer from the current group here. Uh, there's a kid in the minors named Diego Castillo who will get called up once they get kind of past that June date for Super 2 eligibility, who's a possibility as well. So there's some options here, but I do think it's going to be mixed and match. I, mean, I think Johnny Venters will close the game. I think some of these young kids, I mean, Schultz got sent down last night, but they'll shuttle some of these more young kids up here, and you may see them as well. So uh, what did we miss about this team in terms of uh, just some of these young players that are playing now? I know everybody keeps waiting for the prospects, whether it's, um, you know, Jake Bowers or, or, you know, Willie Adamas and those guys to come up at some point during this season. But the Daniel Robertsons and, and even the Joey Wendells and some of these guys, I'm not sure people expected what they're getting from them. 
Yeah, and I think that's kind of what, you know, going back to what I said at the beginning, is I think, you know, they've got a group of some scrappy guys here, some guys who are playing for different things, trying to prove themselves. I mean, C.J. Crone, I mean, look at him, 12 homers already, career high of 16, never has gotten a chance to play every day, didn't get that in Anaheim, he's getting that here. So I think you just right. have guys that, you know, the Rays were the Rays guessed right on some guys. Look, they guessed wrong on some guys, too, and then, you know, we've sure. seen that, and we'll see more guys get released. But, you know, I think for the for the large part here, they seem to have hit on a couple of these guys and they've kind of played their roles well. And, you know, that's part of it. You hear people complain, why is so-and-so not playing? Why doesn't he play more? Why doesn't he play less? Well, sometimes the reason a guy does well, Joe Madden used to say this all the time. The reason a guy does well sometimes is because he doesn't play all the time. You know, and you don't expose him. You play him when the matchups are favorable. But, you know, Malik Smith, think of how well he's done. You know, overall, he's had his mess-ups. But, you know, when Kevin Fiumar got hurt, I was in front of the, the line screaming, this season's over, you know, give up at this point. And, Malik Smith has filled in yeah. really well. Johnny Field, we didn't expect him to be on the radar at all. They passed him over at the end of spring training, went out and got Rob Refsnyder in a trade. Johnny Field's far surpassed him now, and I think that's part of the reason they felt okay trading Span because of how well Johnny Field has played. And they're getting a big year from Wilson Ramos. Is that just him being healthy? I think so. And, and you know, you talk about a guy who's playing for something. I mean, he was in line for, you know, probably a $35 million contract before he got hurt. At the end of the 2016 season, the Rays took a flyer on him by signing him and with the idea that, you know, they'd help him get healthy last year and then get production out of him this year. And, you know, I think the fact that he's hitting over 300, you've seen a little bit of the power, not probably all of it yet. And that's going to end up paying off for them in some type of trade at some point. Fascinating baseball team as we sit here there, one game over 500 for the first time this season uh, since opening day, and um, it's been fun to watch. Mark, you're headed out to lunch with Andy Freed and Dave Wills. Make them take you to Scomas and pick up the tab. That's actually where we're going, but I don't think the second part's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mark. All right. See you guys. Bye. So it's been an interesting season so far uh, for the Rays, and Major League Baseball has their all-star voting, which begins on Friday. I think, you know, when the season started, you probably didn't predict too many all-stars. And right now, Steve, I would say Blake Snell probably has the best chance to make this all-star team with his seven wins and his ERA below three. But, I mean, the way things are going, you could have, I don't know, a couple others. I mean, who would you, who would you think might be part of this all-star conversation? I'm going to start it and say – that their catcher, Wilson Ramos, needs to be considered. I think he would be the most likely position player to possibly make it for the Rays. Uh, Blake Snell, I think, is head and shoulders the the favorite right now to make it. Of course, that's a manager's choice. You can't vote in uh, right. pitchers. All, all the pitchers, yeah. Uh, that would be a manager's choice. But I don't know if any Rays are going to make it in the voting anyway. Um, they're a 500 team. You know they'll get votes, but they're not gonna they're not gonna compete with the Red Sox and Yankees for some of those position players. But Wilson Ramos is having a great season, um, one of the le- leaders in catching as far as home runs this year in the American League. I would add in C.J. Crone, who's having a, a great year at first yes. base. Um, Twelve home runs going into Wednesday's game, um, mm-hmm. playing very well at first base. You know a guy that the Angels kind of didn't want, and the Rays found him and, and traded for him. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I mean, he's done very well. 
um, one of the leaders at first base and home runs for the American League. So I, to me, those are the three most likely players that have a shot at making the All-Star game. I don't know if all three make it at this point. Uh, of right. course, a lot can happen between now and July, and depending on what their record is. You know, they, they're five, six, seven, eight games above five hundred by that point. Maybe they do get three guys in the game. But I, th- I think the Rays could legitimately get two in if they stay at 500 or above by the time the All-Star game rolls around. And maybe three. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I, I think uh, he won't uh, get any really mentioned for All-Star uh, you know, conversation. But one of the most valuable players on this baseball team has been Daniel Robertson. Um, he's been outstanding with the glove. He's been able to play multiple positions, third, second, shortstop with equal efficiency. And man, what a huge home run he hit on Tuesday night! I mean, the Rays had a you know a three to one lead, um, and they needed all four runs. He hits a home run in the in the top of the ninth inning to make it four to one, and they darn near blew it with Sergio Romo on the mound, but they wind up winning four to three. So uh, Robertson has been clutch, and he's a guy that's uh, gotten a chance to play every day. And well, I would and add in too, and Mark, Mark Topkin mentioned one. I don't think he's going to make the All Star game, but as far as one of the most valuable players on this team or an All Star for this team is Malik Smith and what he's done filling in for Kevin Kiermeyer. And yes, right. there's been some adventures, whether throwing the ball or base running and that, but or catching it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But I mean, you look at what he's done. He's batting two ninety approximately. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do, doing very well stealing bases and causing some havoc that way, and, and making some good plays. And the other one is Matt Duffy. I mean, you're stepping in for a Rays Hall of Famer and Evan Longoria. You're batting over three hundred right now in the season. Um, and playing a very good third base defensively. I mean, he's not going to be All Star consideration at this point, but as far as the Rays and, and, and a valuable player for this team, he's right up there too. Also a bit of news uh, out there in Oakland. Carlos Gomez uh, mentioned that he had been drug tested <laughs> again. Apparently this has happened six or seven times to him all season. And he wasn't mad about it, Steve, but his point is, look, these are not random tests. If they're supposed to be random, then he's winning the lottery. He should go play some numbers because his number keeps coming up. He thinks that he that he or other players may be targeted and and that um you know maybe major league baseball should be more transparent about that does anyone believe it's random i mean i think i think some people do i, I mean out I there think, in the public I think, but. I think there probably is some randomness to it as a whole but i do think they target players that either having better seasons than they normally do or look like they've gained some muscle or weight you know i i, be, I believe or older players maybe that they think older that's how players, they're holding yeah. on uh, I do believe there's probably there is some randomness as far as okay we drew names in these players today, but I do think there is some targeting too. I, I've never thought it was completely random. Well, I mean, look, they're trying to police their sport. I don't think it's fair if you're if you're if it's a you know there's a racial component like Latin players more than other players or something like that. I don't know. I don't have the evidence of that, um, and I don't know if that's where Carlos was going. But it is unfortunate that you know if you're a clean player and they suspect you and you keep taking tests and passing them at some point, they probably should give you the benefit of the doubt. So that was a mild annoyance. And and frankly, the way Carlos is going, um, I'm not sure, you know, it's not like he's having a Barry Bonds type year uh, and hitting 60 home runs or anything. So um, made a couple of nice off, uh, you know, outfield catches in the last couple of days, but. Oh, he contributes and he brings energy and all those things. And, and he's typically a slow starter or two months into the season. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he has a legitimate gripe or not, but it does seem like an awful lot of tests this early in the year. Meanwhile, um, the the story of the day uh, on, I guess, Wednesday was this, and it broke kind of late Tuesday night, was a story about Brian Colangelo 
who is the president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. And there was a, a website called The Ringer that did a story, and they really cited kind of circumstantial evidence that more or less paints the picture of this guy, Colangelo, having multiple Twitter accounts that are sort of burner accounts under pseudonyms and, and things like that, one of them being at Phila123456, which he did admit to having, um, that he used, it appears, to do a lot of things, not just monitor social media, but also go further than that and at various times, you know, criticize player, whether it was, you know, Joel Embiid and talk about his ego or Markel Fultz or Julio Okafor or Nerlens Noel. Um, it, it gave some in- injury information. It gave some insider stuff. I mean, there were a number of these accounts, and again, uh, Coangelo has has only admitted to having one of them, which which was not one of the accounts where he uh, allegedly did these things. He uh, he more or less, you know, really didn't tweet off this account as much. But um, I think Steve, it's a larger story about how I I would imagine there's a lot of burner accounts that executives in all pro and college sports probably have, if for no other reason, to monitor social media but i think in this case clearly he crossed the line here if that's true well first of all i'd like to you to know i did our own internal investigation in our mailbag yesterday and none of the tweets that we answer questions from (laughs) came from burner accounts of the team executives here in tampa bay so i did clear that up that did not happen specifically the one about how great jason light was I don't actually. We well, didn't get a question I was like more, that. And, and it wasn't one from Gerald McCoy's burner account on you know oh, what God. else could he have done, you know, the last right. ten years to help this team. But those were those right. were actually legit accounts, not burner accounts that those came from. Now you've had you said you've had burner accounts, right? I do. I, do. do I mean, I, I used to be. For those who don't know, I used to be the program director at WDAE and WFLA here in town. And, right. Uh, this was five six years ago, but um, sometimes your competition would block you because they didn't want you to see what they were tweeting about whatever and granted tweets are public so you create a burner account and you follow them and so that you could still see their tweets surveillance and, yeah. yeah i mean you always you don't you're not focusing on your competition so much but you're going to pay attention and see what they're doing you want and, access yeah, right you want to know what they're doing so you create a burner account it's usually got an eggshell on it and back then now you probably put a, a picture on it just to make it a little more legit but but yeah you used it for surveillance i never tweeted from them it was never nefarious in that mm-hmm. regard of trying to make myself look good or my stations look good or whatever else. But, you know, if you're an executive, maybe you don't want to follow the players on your roster, but you create an account so you can still monitor what they're doing on social media. That, to me, that's, that's your responsibility as a, as a executive or whatever else to know what's going on, especially because when they're tweeting or Facebook or Instagram, whatever, that's public. That's public stuff they're tweeting, so you should know what your staff is doing in that regard when it's public like that. But... To do what he did, or allegedly did, as right. far as giving out, hey, why don't you ask this player about his failed physical to, to nix a trade or things like that? I mean, that's way crossing a line. And if he did that, I mean, he should be fired already. Uh, the Sixers have started an investigation. He's apologizing. Not apologizing. He's contacting those players that on the accounts that were mentioned saying, hey, this wasn't me. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, we'll find out. But Yeah, he's been consistent in denying these, but it was – it was several accounts which uh, this reporter did not mention to the 76ers um, that were very similar in nature that he thought still believe, belonged to Colangelo. And as soon as the 76ers made Colangelo aware of the one account, 
um, and that they were onto them, these other accounts then became private. That that's so to me it, is the most damning part of it is three yeah. accounts that, were that he not did not mention. So either yeah. one of two things: either Colangelo made those private at that point, right. or your Worked PR per, your PR person or whatever else is associated with those accounts in some way or knew who was doing them and had that shut down. Maybe it wasn't Colangelo. Maybe it was his assistant or PR people that were doing it. Maybe Without with knowledge his, from Colangelo. Or, maybe with, maybe maybe with, with the, yeah. whatever you do, it's fine. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. But to me, when those accounts all of a sudden go private and none of this is public at that point, then someone associated with Colangelo was responsible for it. It may not have been him. It could yeah. be someone who works for him or someone very close to him that's trying to protect him or whatever else. Plausible deniability can be a lot of it too. But when you're when you're questioning Embiid's ego or that, you know, um you're pushing a theory that Okafor we had a trade that fell apart because he failed a physical or you call a player like Noel a selfish punk. I mean, if any of that it can be traced to this guy. He is so fired it's not even funny. I'm I'm frankly a little surprised. I guess they have to do an internal investigation and, and given the benefit of the doubt, but it seems way too coincidental. Now, to your point, maybe somebody else was doing his bidding for him, or maybe they are just close enough to the organization to know these things and pass them along, you know, um, somehow. But they certainly became aware that the ringer was on to some accounts that belong. Well, the ringer you know, contacted the they, they specifically yeah. asked about two accounts. He co- they called the right, me- but they, the but the person. other one suddenly got. Right. The weird thing is how the other one suddenly became private. Yeah, I mean, so the word got out in the seventy sixers building. So if you were say a guy um, somewhere in the front office that was doing this on your own and you caught wind of this, you would quickly make it private. And maybe they weren't. Maybe it wasn't content that Coangelo was was either expressly you know um, endorsing or had any knowledge about. But that'll all come out, I guess, in the in the watch. The bigger question is, I wonder how I wonder how common this is. I wonder how many um, executives not just do it to monitor stuff, but actually. I want to know engage. what Jason Lightsburner account handle is. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. You could bet. What I'll about, say what this, about if, Eric Neander? What account does he have? I'm not sure either. I, I, if I if I were in professional sports today, all my accounts would be private right now. I'm sure Steve. I'm sure Steve Eiserman does. He doesn't strike me as <laughs> no. a social media guy. I don't think he knows what social media is. And that's probably bad too. You know, that's equally well, bad. Like there I'm are sure a lot of people does, that but... stick their head stick their heads in the sand and you know pretend not to know anything, but. Um, I don't think that's that's an endorsement either. I don't think that's good. Well, I mean, look, we know Kevin Durant had a burner account, and he was tweeting people. By accident, he tweeted on the wrong account at one point and exposed his burner account. Um, he got caught. Yeah. yeah, and we know a lot of people do have them. What you use them for and how you're using them is where, and especially as an executive of a team, that can get really sticky when you're giving out confidential information, period. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, or it's probably not right, but – Man, imagine that. I mean, since social media became a thing, how many marriages, how many jobs? I mean, everything is just out there, man. You, you can't get away with a whole lot anymore. You know, there is a footprint and, and they will find you. Um, you have to be very so skilled to get away with it. You do. And, and, I, and for that reason, I've never, I have never, I've thought about it. You know, I've thought about for your, like, for what you said, like, I got blocked by certain people and maybe I should create accounts so I can then follow them. Um, but then I thought better of it because I think that eventually everyone's going to eventually know. And then the temptation is there 
to use that account to start trolling people that troll you. So what you're telling so me is after it. I hired you at DAE, those people that were tweeting saying what a great show it was, it wasn't your burner accounts, those were actually real people? <clears throat> no, they were real people. So were the 200 and something uh, that wrote after we were let go by DAE. I wasn't responsible were, for that. I was I was out of there before that happened. Don't Those were me. real people too. Uh, those, those, were not our, those were not our burner accounts. We did not create that many, but... Um, yeah, so it's an interesting story and, uh, and a cautionary tale. We'll see where it goes. Well, now I'm curious about all that's uh, all that I read and hear about everybody that I cover. So it's kind of an interesting story. Um, we're, we'll follow that, of course, this week. It's a it's a busy week still. Um, of course, you know the Rays are in the middle of this road trip. They have a getaway day today in Oakland, a 3:35 game, an afternoon game. If you want to watch, I think the plan, at least uh, the TBD is for Ryan Stanek to start the game, um, and we'll see if that's if they, that holds true or not. And then they go, they move on to Seattle where they're going to see a couple old friends in uh, Denard Spann and Alex Colome. And then it's on to Washington. Tough road trip, but off to a really good start, um, at least after their first two games in Oakland. And then the Bucks have OTAs today. I'll be back out there. The media is uh, able to watch this practice. They continue to have OTAs, but we're able to watch about every third one or so. Um, so we'll be out there. I, I guess uh, Brink Rhymes has returned. He was uh, not at OTAs a week ago. He is back this week, so maybe we'll have a chance to talk to him. I'm not sure about JPP and exactly his whereabouts, um, but it'll be good to get out there and, of course, talk to Dirk Cutter and, and others, and we'll have more about that uh, as the week goes on. So lots going on. Uh, we're here every Monday through Friday. We appreciate you guys listening. And uh, we love the interaction. We had a mailbag the other day. We're going to continue to do that. So at any point, you don't have to wait for us to ask. Just send your questions. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address, rstroud at tampabay.com. Love for you guys to rate and review this podcast. Where can they do that, Steve? Anywhere you get your podcasts, whether you're downloading them from iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, SoundCloud. You can like the post there, subscribe, and also leave comments. Or you can go to tampabay.com slash sports, read the latest sports headlines, and also listen to the podcast and click like and leave your comments there too. Hope you enjoyed the uh, comments by Mark Tompkin, very insightful, a guy that knows the Rays inside and out, and this is becoming uh, one of the more interesting baseball teams, I think, to cover um, and to follow if you're a Rays fan. It's, it's only going to get more interesting, I think, as they bring guys up from AAA Durham. Thanks for listening. Uh, for Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 